Okay, welcome back to the Think Education podcast. Uh, today, Judith and I, given that you know the new academic year is about to start, seemed sensible to talk about leaving uh, and going somewhere else to a conference um, as we've only just <laughs> begun, sort of checked back in for the September term. Uh, so today, we're going to try and uh, make sense, I guess, a little bit of conferences, um, uh, what they're for, you know, some of our, our stories about our own previous experiences, um, and then thinking about, you know, I guess the, the online space we lived through with COVID and, and the access we had and, and travel. I mean, your, your travel has picked up a little bit since, you know, in the in sort of recently, obviously after nothing. Um, I mean, what's your, yeah. what's your, uh, do you get the opportunity to go to conferences much? Um, yeah, as you say, um, Chris, it sort of started to started to pick up now, and um, it, actually, even over the past year or so, there's probably been more hybrid conferences. So, to to try and in, encourage people to try and meet face to face because of all the additional benefits, I, I think that you can get from that, and we can come back to that in in a little while. Um, but also probably to take advantage of the fact that in some cases many more people can attend a conference or parts of conferences uh, if they can if they can just join a session you know via Zoom or or, or you know in, in a different different sort of way not not least that you know if you if you live in one area or one country and you really like to attend a part of a conference but it's in a different country or quite a long way away. Um, and you don't have the time to do that, or potentially don't have the resource to do that. You know, then you can, you can actually join. You know, obviously remotely. Um, I always think with those kind of situations, that I think the beauty of conferences, one of them, when you go there as well, is you are in that conference at that time, and you can almost forget all of the other things yeah. that are going on yeah. in your day job, um, and really immerse yourself in the conference and in the discussions and and then you you take all of that you know new new sort of knowledge and thought and innovation back with you you know when you go back um back to your workplace uh whereas if you're dipping in and out of things you know one minute you're having a meeting about yeah car parking i don't know all those important things at universities mm. and, and and the next uh, moment you're listening to somebody extolling the virtues of of you know hybrid teaching etc and and that's got a worth but i just think sometimes if you can dedicate your mind and your time to a conference it's quite useful but yes it's things are certainly starting to to pick up and i suppose one of the things i find now um been somewhat now more aged in the process is selecting the conferences that mm. you know i i can i can go to um that i i think would be a good use of my time, a good use of, of other people's time. You know, we're all busy, whatever we're doing, whether you're whether you're teaching a class of undergraduates, whether you're supervising PhD students, whether you're administrator in an area, you know, or whether you're on the executive, you know, everybody's got time pressures. Sure. But I suppose, you know, just every, every year it seems to get just a little bit more, doesn't it? Yeah. But I've always been very fortunate where I've been working in that um, the people I've always worked for have always valued the importance of conferences, you know, and uh, and nowhere is this 
you know, more true than at, at Swansea. So I think what um, what we always want to make sure, and I suppose it is, and you think of you know being a, a pro vice chance. I think you know I think what we always try and do is 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 if I'm going to a conference that at least that I am participating or I'm or I'm part of a panel or I'm giving a talk or I'm doing something like that. I think that's something that um, that people are quite keen to happen in particular. Um, but sometimes that's not the case, you know, and if, if there are new things that, that I take on responsibility for, um, I've recently taken on more responsibility for, for all of our interactions um, with league tables, with whatever you think of league tables, they're out there and they exist, you know, be it domestic or, or world or, as in the case, uh, in the next couple of weeks from now, uh, European uh, league tables. Um, and there's been an opportunity, you know, to, to go to a couple of conferences around around those, which I found very interesting because it's something a little bit, you know, new in terms of looking at them in a little bit more depth. So, yes, I think things certainly start to be, seems to start to be um, hotting up now on the on the conference circuit front. And, um, and, and I suppose, you know, as we say, it was something we we're going to talk about today. But you know, there are lots of benefits I think to to conferences, and I'm sure that uh, and I'll I'll come to to mine in a moment. But but thinking about back to when we first started ourselves, you know, attending conferences. Well, you and I, of course, indeed met yeah. over the years in many different locations. We did, be it in Beijing. Mm-hmm. I remember that. I, I I can't. I can never ever remember where I was at the time in terms of my actual work. I can only always remember where the first was. I think you were in Nottingham at the time. Yeah. And I remember us having a, a chat when when we were in Beijing, and then and then of course we of course there's been London, there's been Miami, there's all been all of these glamorous places. Yeah. Christopher, that we've extolled the virtues of transnational education. Um, but it is interesting how when you know when you first start going to them maybe the, the different attitude that, that you have or the different ways in which you interact to when maybe you've done it for 10, 20 mm. or 30, 10, 20 or 30 years. So I don't know, what in terms of some of those first conferences that you went to as a young, youthful <laughs> academic with not, but not one grey hair. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's interesting because, I mean, my, yeah, I guess my my more my more recent conference experience has been back in academia. You know, since I've been in Dubai, my conferences have been as a, an academic member of staff. My time in, in Malaysia, a lot of conference, I mean, I was an administrative um, uh, member of staff. You know, I was running the graduate school and most of my conferences there mm. were, um, I wasn't presenting an academic paper so much as I was talking about an experience or an initiative or something that, you know, had, you know, had gone wrong or we'd learned from or something. Um, before that, when I was back in the UK as a as a very 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 junior member of academic staff, I was fortunate enough that the the department uh, school of politics and international relations at Nottingham did provide funding for even even junior members of of staff to to attend, um, and uh, those those were interesting. Um, I remember going to conferences and being completely out of my depth. I mean, I was a PhD student. Um, the very first conference that I went to and I barely understood my own thesis, you know, at that point, right? It's, it's still, I mean, we can call it a work in progress and it makes it sound better than it was because it was just, you know, 
And then you're in a room with people who are all seemingly much more, whether it's intelligent or tuned in or experienced or whatever than you. Um, and um, I remember my, my thesis was on um, Spanish politics, uh, looking at the transition to democracy. And, and I, I sort of understood a little bit that I was presenting and I, I you know, I, I give my little, my little presentation and somebody puts their hand up and says, um, oh, God, very interesting, but of course, uh, you haven't mentioned Sweden. <laughs> like, um, and I, I panicked. I was like, well, no, I'm, um, I'm talking about Spain. But then in that moment, I'm thinking, uh-oh, should I have mentioned Sweden? Like, what do I not know about Sweden? I mean, it's a case study, so why? But have I, you know, and then just completely panicked. And, and you know, uh, um, yeah, yeah, I'm going to look at Sweden next week. You know, or some, you know, ridiculous, pathetic answer. Because I, I had no idea <laughs> what he was talking about. Obviously, you go to a couple more of these things and you get, what's the best word? Um, I was going to, yeah, maybe experienced, but also um, cynical, I suppose. And you realize a lot of questions at conferences are asked by people so that we can hear ourselves speak or that we can get a chance to talk about our own research. Yeah. And so if I was asked that same question now, I would have a very different level of confidence in my answer. Um, I would still be polite because I've done like you enough of these things that you, you know how to, to play the game. But, you know, in that moment, I just thought, oh, this is a complete failure. Not only do I not know what I'm talking about, now everybody knows that I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and going back to my supervisor and saying, he was like, oh, how was your conference? You're like, um, well, yeah. Um, and so I remember conferences being very scary concepts, like at the beginning. Um, and then I think over time, the more, you know, more I realized that actually the, the real conversations don't tend to happen in the sessions. They often happen in the coffee breaks or, or the, over lunch or, you know, if there's an evening opportunity to meet people. Um, because, you know, you get a chance to listen to people and that's, that can be very useful, but the actual level of engagement or interaction, you know, and, and then you also, you learn that there's not a lot of time for people to ask questions. And if you don't know the answer to the question, there's a way that you can just repeat the question back and then waffle a bit. And then, the, oh, the time's run out. Well, we'll talk about it in coffee. And then you can sort of, you yeah. can move on a little bit. Um, but, uh, and then over time, I mean, I, I you know, I, I thoroughly enjoy conferences. I think they are like you, if we can pick and choose, um, and, and weirdly, actually, I think one of my favorite conferences I've been I've been lucky to attend twice in person, which is in Tokyo. Um, and it's a it's a fairly broad spectrum higher education conference. And so there's there's usually in any given sort of session, two or three papers I'm really interested in. And then two or three, I have absolutely no idea what they're talking about from from you know the way it's, it's written in the description and. It's fascinating just sitting in a room and listening to people talking about different things that are connected to your world and you've never thought about them before. And that sort of intellectual stimulus, I think, is is needed. Um, uh, but so I've got I've gone sort of, you know, full circle from being terrified of them to now finding them actually, yes. you know, really, really informative and uh, and, you know, a really good way to to think about things. And, and I've come out of a lot of conferences um those that I've attended maybe, you know, pre-COVID and et cetera, thinking differently about my work, thinking differently about things I'd thought about before and, you know, coming back and, you know, you and I have then sort of suggested other topics that we could talk about or write about based on something that we heard somebody say. And, you know, from that perspective, I think they're, they're very, very useful. Um, do you have any uh, war stories from conferences? Yeah, 
Yes, I think um, just thinking back, a little bit like you said, though, um, been been quite frankly astonished when I got to the University of Birmingham and, and started there in the early 90s, so clearly in the Dark Ages, um, 1990s at least, <laughs> you know, sort of, the 1890s. Um, but been absolutely astonished when not only was I given the opportunity to go to conferences that were overseas, mm. so that were beyond the shores of the UK, but I had to. I was almost told that I had to go and do it. You know, you have to go and present at conferences, and you have to do this, and then you have to write your papers. And, and, and I, I just found it astonishing that, that you were able to do that, and somebody was going to still pay you your salary to go and talk about what you love teaching and you love, love yeah. writing about. So one of the very, very first big conferences that I went to was in Seattle, hmm. in, in uh, Washington State in, um, in America. And, and of course, yeah, well, what partly my theory also was, if I go somewhere very, very far away and I'm rubbish, <laughs> I, maybe there won't be anybody there that knows right. me, and I just won't go there again, Sure, and then it will be fine. Yeah. You know, so that was partly it. So, so anyway, there's this big conference, these these TESOL conferences that used to take place. I don't know if they still do. They might might still do, but certainly they did for many, many years in the States. Um, and you'd get something like, oh, there'd be a massive big booklet for it. And, you know, you'd have like 10,000 people mm. or more there. It's a huge big conference, you know. Um, there's almost so much that you could do that you were sort of overwhelmed by it. Anyway. Which is more people than the, the place I grew up in. Oh, absolutely! Yes, absolutely. You know, you just so you couldn't, you can't, you can't get your head around the numbers of people and the numbers of. I mean, the the the, the sessions that were on, there were just so many at the same time. You know, the choice was just phenomenal. Um, and then you were thinking, am I going to get anybody there? And you get a hundred or more, or two hundred people because there were just so many people. That, yeah, yeah. You know, There's no chair somewhere else. Would go along to <laughs> Uh, exactly. And I remember being really excited on on the one hand, um, also a fantastic opportunity, never been to Seattle, never been anywhere like that, so I thought that was wonderful. Um, and never been to this big conference, got an opportunity to present a paper that had sort of been derived from my PhD as well, so it was on teacher education and training in, in Japan. Um, and, and I remember being absolutely terrified. Mm. So basically, as well, I'd, written, I'd done my PhD, you know, you know and, I'd, I'd, um, and I'd written this paper, the paper had been published, so I knew the content really, really, really well. Mm. I cannot stress enough how, <laughs> how, how well I knew this content. And it was back in the day when you used overhead projectors, you know, and, yeah, yeah. and if you were really lucky, you could, you could have the colour ones Ooh, that you fancy. as well, which looked very groovy then, and you have art charts and things, and it, it was all very exciting for those of us at the time. Um, and, and, you know, I prepared all of those. I prepared it to within an inch of its life. It was about 45 minute one, I think, or something like that. And I remember going to, in, in the, to the ladies beforehand and literally just standing there thinking, I, I don't know if I can speak. I've forgotten my name. What's my name? <laughs> Who am I? What am I doing here? Um, this is going to be awful. I don't know what I'm going to say. How can I speak for this long? People who now know me wonder how I can speak for that short amount of time, 45 minutes. Um, anyway, I was terrified, but, you know, what have you got to do? You've got to go out there. So I did, and I went out there. And literally, I had, I had my name written on my bit of 
being short-sighted as well, I had to make the choice. Do I, do I read something out that's in front of me or do I have my glasses on and be able to see the audience? Now, also being a trained teacher, <laughs> the thought of not being able to see my audience, yep. probably given some of the schools I taught in when I was younger, was not an option. And I think as well, being a teacher, I never wanted things to, I never read things out. You know, I never, I always, yeah, yeah. you know, I always wanted to guide it through. So I thought, right. However, I did put in really, really big letters on it, two sheets of paper. One, my name was a good one, just in case I've forgotten it. And two, literally the first sentence of what I wanted to say. Hmm. And I'll bear in mind, I'd got my slides I was going through as well. And, and, I, and I remember also holding on to the lectern, mostly because then people wouldn't be able to see my hands shaking. Yeah. I don't know, but probably people on the first row were suffering from like, seeing the, the lectern shaking. <laughs> but I thought, I'd like, try and be confident, try and smile, you know, and do this. Anyway, so I, so I started it, I delivered it. Once I got into it, probably about a minute into it, there were, there were some really nice smiling faces out there. I locked onto those faces. I talked to those people, and I and yeah, and I got through it. I wouldn't say that by the end of it, I was the jolliest person in the world, but I got through it. And I thought, well, and I took some questions, and I thought that that was that was fine. And I remember at the end of it, quite a lot of people coming up, going, "That was really interesting." And I'm doing something in this area, and I'm doing. Something. And, and then a, a gentleman came up to me, who I've known now for many years um, since, who's based in Japan, and he said, that was really fascinating. You looked like you were having such a good time presenting that. Mm. It was great to listen to you. And I thought, I was in the ladies' toilet uh, an hour ago, wondering how I was going to get out there, you know, because I was so nervous. And it, and it, and it just, it was a really wonderful experience. It took me well out of my comfort zone. But I think as well, something else that I learned from it was, was, was also, you know, you know your subject really well. And if you prepare it very well, don't worry about it. It's going to be absolutely yep. fine. What you've also probably got out there are, are any number of people. And you might have a small audience of 10 or 20, or you might have an audience of 100 or 200. But what you will have is certainly a select number of people out there who are really interested in what you're interested in. Yeah. And, and it's almost amazing because very often in your university or your college, you might have a few people, but usually you've got a niche within the area that you're yeah. teaching yeah. in, haven't you? But here, I was finding people from all over the world that absolutely loved what I loved. And I just found that utterly, again, you know, stimulating and, and exciting. And so I guess I went from being, you know, really very, very nervous um, but lots of butterflies in the in the in the tummy. Um, to having a great time doing it, to learning learning from that, um, and then like you probably, and I think another time as well, um, like you, I've I've had people ask questions from the floor, and 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 although I can't remember them, I do remember the feeling of people, you know, often, you know, of a much more advanced years than I at the time. Um, sort of seemingly asking something that was almost designed to try and catch you out a bit, that mm. sounded a bit clever, that sounded... And when I was younger, I would get nervous about that or I'd try to answer the question. Now, as you say, Chris, what you realise is um, that those kind of people just want to hear their own voice. They want to say something. It actually doesn't matter what you've just said. And 
And if they are the kind of person that has said something where you're thinking, goodness me, I don't know how to answer that, everybody else in the audience yeah. will be thinking about as well. And they'll be looking at them and thinking, what are you doing? Yeah. Now, the good thing is when you get older, as you say, I mean, you're always polite, you're always good, but you just redirect it back. And always redirect it back and think of, you know, always have a really difficult question there yourself where you go, that's a really good point. You know, I'd really value your opinion yeah, yeah. on this. And then, you know, watch them squirm a bit. Um, so, you know, I think, so I, I suppose one thing, therefore, that I think that I've learned and um, and I always like to, 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 to chat to either new members of staff or or um, students who are giving their first presentations. Not that it ever really helps, because I'm sure people said this to me, but yeah. I sort of wasn't listening. Um, but it's, you know, don't worry about it. You you know what you're talking about. Just make sure you're prepared well and go and enjoy yourself and learn from it. Because what you will get is more confidence. Yeah. You'll get confidence yeah, as, yeah. as you get older. And... And some of the conferences as well will go great. Some of the presentations will go great. You'll have a fantastic audience. It's like teaching. And some of them won't go so great, but that's all right. Because you'll always, as you say as well, Chris, and a really important point with all of these conferences, be they big Uber ones like TESOL, where you've got more people than, you know, villages that people have been born in or lived in, um, to to small ones where maybe you've got 50 or 100 people and you've got either one or two sessions going on at the same time. The really important bits that take place are the chats outside of it and the things where somebody will come up and and, and nearly always people will say, you know, it's interesting or that's fascinating. Or they might say, that's really good. I've done something on this. Have you ever thought of that? And you think, no, you know what? I haven't. That's a really good idea. Yeah. And it, so it sends those ideas in lots of different directions doesn't it and I think one thing finally one thing that then I'm thinking of now as well is for example the, the presentations that we've given together mm. over the years particularly the ones let's say with Tim yep. Tim Gore and and Kevin Kevin Van Coyte you know so there would be and I, I remember the the, the four of us uh, given one in in London at one of the going global ones and all having and all been very different in our approach, having very different ways of presenting what we were doing, that there was a general theme to it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was it was just sort of almost looking at a, a certain topic through four different lenses, which I think makes it interesting for the audience as well. Absolutely. I mean, I suppose you could you could reasonably say that this podcast is born out of a conference. I mean, you know, our first meeting led to yeah. the book idea that led to the book with Tim that then led to, that then led to, and, and you know, and it's sort of a sustained sustained relationship. I mean, I think, I agree with you. I mean, I think that building of confidence, it, it's not just, I think, in the presentation, but it's also in the ability to go and talk to people because that's, you know, yes. in, you know, you often you see, it seems kind of strange to say that there are like rock stars in academia, but there are. There are people who are very highly published, that are very experienced, that are, you know, really interesting, that are working on some money. And, you know, you see them up and you think, oh, oh, you know, um, I love the fact that at one point at a conference, you know, Jane Knight sort of gave me a nod and said, oh, that was interesting. No, she, might, she might have been looking at the person behind me, but I don't care. Like I took that as being, oh, wow, Jane Knight heard what I, you know, and, you know, 
But early on in the conference circuit, you you think, oh, I'm just going to survive. I'm just going to say my and just you know, and then you realize, well, actually, you know, the networks that you make, the contacts that you know, even just some of them may help you professionally. Um, uh, I mean, I met somebody at a Going Global conference that was um, responsible for me being aware of the job offer for the job that I currently have. Now, she didn't give me the job, but that network, you know, led to that led to etc. And so some of it might be professional, but some of it's just intellectual. Some of it's just interesting. You just meet interesting people from different places. And that can be, that can be, you know, really valuable. And that's not replicated online. Um, yes. Now, we, we, and we talked about this in conference. We talked about this with Nigel Healy. We've talked about this many times that, you know, the sustainability advantages, the cost advantages, that they're, they're evident, right? They are, and, and I mean, during COVID, everybody seemed to be able to do 10 to 20 to 30 times more things than they could have done at home because, you know, it's just easier. It, it you know, it's just logging on and it, it costs obviously a lot less. And the, the, the advantages are huge. In the space of what we're talking about, I don't think it matches. You know, there are a lot of people that have tried to replicate it. You know, I've been at conferences where we've been asked to wear like, you know, our, our national dress, which is not that easy if you're English, but, you know, sort of a, I've got a bowler hat, so that kind of kind of works. But, you know, your national dress and, you know, you have a, um, the IC Cafe, for example, do a great job of asking people to bring drinks with them and, and sort of mimicking what would be. Prices, um, yeah. But, you know, it's it's limited just because of the lack of, social interaction that you get at you get at conferences um so i mean i've i've enjoyed the conferences i attended during covid and i I got to do much more than i would have done you know before um and probably i was okay like you because i'd had a lot of previous conference experience so you you know like if you if you hear something interesting you think i'm just going to email that person whereas you know as a younger academic you'd think well there's no way i'm going to email that person because you know but as you say it's your your you're comfortable as well, aren't you? Yeah. So you, you're there, you're probably there for a more defined purpose. Either you're presenting something, in which case that's fine, and you're going to take questions, or you're there, you're there to listen, and then you turn it off at the end of the session, you go and have a cup of coffee, uh, and you chat to either the people you're working with or the yeah. people that you're living with or whatever. And I, and I think and what really struck me there, though, when you were talking, is particularly when you are newer on the conference circuit, and you go to these conferences, and sometimes, I mean, I, I was really lucky at, at Birmingham as well, certainly when I first started, because um, often I would have the opportunity to go with a more experienced member of staff. So I remember going to one of the TESOL conferences with Tony Dudley Evans, who was one of these rock star, literally one of these rock star people, because also he used to run Birmingham Jazz and things like that. So he was sort of, you know, mm. with all these. But he was so well known when it came to genre analysis, you know. Um, and that was great because, you know, he'd go in, he'd know all of these people. And I thought, I used to think, I don't know anyone. And you know, like everyone, mm. you know, everyone in the city of New York, <laughs> there's nowhere that we can go. And I absolutely don't know anyone. And that was quite nice because, because a couple of times I went with, with, um, either Tony or Martin Hewins or somebody else from, from the department. And then other times I went on my own and I didn't know anyone. And as you say, then you did your... So we would always be able to go if we were given a paper. So there was that dis- discipline of having to submit your abstract sure. and then yep. preparing it and everything. So as long as we got accepted and we were giving a, a presentation and then hopefully a, a paper in the proceedings afterwards, we could go. And I guess the choice, therefore, then was when you go to these places, and certainly with international higher education, they're all over the world, um, you either give your paper and you sit on your own in a corner for three days... Hmm. And you don't talk to anyone, 
or you know you crack and you have to get out there and you have to talk to people and then of course what you realize is there will be either there'll be some people who you feel are out of your league that they do know everybody and I'm a bit too scared to go and talk to them anyway and then of course there will be a lot of people like you where it's their first conference or maybe they're in their first five years of, mm-hmm. of going to conferences so they don't know a lot of people they might know one person that they've come with but they're also out there keen to talk about the subject but also keen to get to know people and develop a network and that as you say I think is something that is really powerful about those in-person conferences particularly when you're beginning your career too yeah is that you can start to not only actually develop the network and the people that you might keep in touch with for many years you might not keep in touch with them forever but you might keep in touch with them for five or six years and then you move on to something else and you have another another group of another group of people you know but that kind of thing I don't think you, you, you can there so there's that very basic side of actually the network and then the skill of doing that mm. of you know going going to the conference dinners and going to the networking events when you don't know people and there's that classic one I know we've talked about this before haven't we as well when when we talked in the, the last book about sort of networking and conferences and things and, and the classic error that you make very early on of thinking, right, well, so the event starts at 7. I'm going to go about 7.30 because then I can just blend in mm-hmm. seamlessly to all of the people that are there. But, of course, by 7.30, all of the little groups have yep. already been made and it's much, you can, you know, tap your way into one. But it's, a, it's more difficult, and if you are of a disposition that makes you a bit nervous, you're less likely to do it, so you might stay for 10 minutes and then run off and be on your own. Whereas actually, if it starts at 7 o'clock, you get there at 5 to 7, you're waiting at the door, you're the first person in there, because mm. at least you have to talk to the people who are organising it. Exactly. And then other people arrive early and you talk to them, you know, so there's those kind of things, isn't there? So I think it's that kind of thing where certainly when when you're at the beginning that you're building those relationships you're you know you're building and then and I found it interesting in my career as well when I first started doing that and I just remember going to them thinking I don't know anybody here how can there be this many people in this interested in this area so as you get older either been invited to go been invited to Mm -hmm. chair a conference been invited to present a paper um but also know that when you're going there's going to be 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 or more people that you know. And yeah. then it's great. And you go in and you bump into people again and you chat to them about things. And so you've, you've done that really hard part in one way of building that network. But also that network is always going to be there. And you might not see people. There are some people I've not seen at conferences, you know, or I'll see them possibly at the same sort of conference, but every few years. Mm-hmm. But it's great. It's as though I've, I've, I've just seen them, you know. And then you start talking about the things that you're talking about. And again, it sends you thinking off in a different direction, you know. So so I think that is the being very mindful, as we talked about, as you say, with Nigel, of the importance now of really thinking about sustainability and climate issues when it comes to conferences. And make sure, if at all possible, that you're multitasking in your yeah. conferences and in, in anywhere that you're going, don't just go somewhere, do what you're doing and, and come back again. Try and make it as useful as possible. But select those where you're, you're doing them and because that you know the, the advantages to being there face-to-face to pe- with people somewhere, I don't think you can replicate anywhere. No. No. 
I was curious, actually, I wanted to ask you a question about, because um, it's a long, I know I've worked for British universities my whole career, but it's a long time since I worked in, in Britain. And I was curious um, about students and conference attendance at the moment um, within, you know, example, because, you know, we've talked about this in the past, but one of the issues we see here, um, particularly in the UAE and, and Dubai, where I'm, I'm based, that like, like many of the Gulf countries, um, we're a fairly new, you know, rapidly developing, but, you know, a fairly new research culture, um, which has a lot of, a lot of um, implications. You know, it, it's quite difficult sometimes to conduct research, um, you know, in order to get the, the relevant permissions from institutions or schools or even governments. Um, that, can be, that can be quite difficult. Um, you know, we are using, by and large, Western research tools and methods, and, and then that's not always, you know, readily applicable in, in different contexts. Um, people are sometimes a little bit reticent about, you know, providing data. Um, uh, and, you know, a, a lot less data gets published, which, you know, we've talked about this as well in the past, that that tends to give the impression that research is not being conducted, which is not true. It's just that research is not necessarily being published, which obviously is, is part of a broader issue about access and international journals and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But one of the issues I see a lot with our students here is they're very reluctant to go to conferences or to present at conferences. And, and, you know, my university, like many, runs internal conferences where you'd figure, well, you know, this is about as safe as it gets, right? You know, you're, 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 it's yeah. not really that different from, say, presenting in class because most of the people in the audience are probably your classmates and most of the senior people are, are your lecturers anyway. So in theory, it's a sort of quasi-safe space. But, you know, and, and I always figured, oh, I guess that's, that's along the lines of the nerves that, you know, you and I have talked about already today. Um, and actually, I mean, clearly that's part of it, but there's a very real worry about presenting work that will then be stolen or, you know, or somebody else will take it or, you know, I don't want to, pre- I don't want to publish my work and I don't want to present my work, you know, until at least I've got my doctorate or until at least I'm, I'm secure in my position because if somebody takes it from me and then goes away. And uh, I'm always reminded of the Eddie Izzard um, bit that he did about... Um, so English or British imperialism where, you know, you'd, you'd row away in a boat and you'd, you'd land in a new country and they're, oh, I, I claim this country for England. And the people are there, well, you, you can't, it's our country. Oh, no, I, I claim it for England. Well, yeah, but you can't. Like, we live here. Do you have a flag? No. Ah, hit, stick the flag in, I claim it, right? And in many ways, you know, I, I think, <laughs> you know, imperialism... Um, notwithstanding the ability to actually present your work is the flag right it's it's saying no no i'm working on this now other people can obviously also but this is my area i've carved out that that niche for myself and and here's my flag and and it's it's a it's sort of an ongoing discussion about how we can encourage students to believe accept this this reality because you know it's 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 part of part of the process of, of becoming a research entity or research, you know, culture or researcher, I guess, right? And I, was, and I was just curious what it's, you know, what it's currently like um, for, not just for British students, obviously, because, you know, all universities are, are multinational in Britain, but, you know, for, for students in Britain, I guess. Um, I, I think students, I mean, and just sort of, I suppose, anecdotally speaking, really, I mean, it would be good for us maybe to, to bring some yeah. of our students friends on and, and, and ask them actually but 
in working with the students that I'm working with in Swansea, for example, you know, I, I, I find actually that uh, certainly either some of the student conferences we put on that are local or we also support students um, particularly to attend conferences or workshops, be it virtual but or, or in person with our partners, mm. with our academic partners, you know, be it Grenoble University or University of Houston and, or others. Um, that they're always really keen to do that, actually. I think what they tend to be more concerned about um, is what we were talking about earlier, about that confidence level of, and almost like, will, will anybody be interested in listening mm. to what I've written? Because it's not really as good as, look at these people have written this book and, you know, I can't just copy that because that's not allowed. So, and I've had this idea, is that is it worthy? It's almost that, yeah, kind, yeah. Of, yeah. that kind of aspect of it rather than, rather than, people being worried about, you know, ideas being taken. So, and, and I suppose something that certainly UK institutions have worked hard at over many, many years now is trying to encourage that, that presentation aspect, that research aspect in, in student work from undergraduate through to postgraduate through to, yeah, yeah. to PhD, you know, I mean, it, it, it used to be, didn't it, many, many years ago that, that that side of it was almost just, if you're doing a postgraduate taught that course, that might be the kind of thing you do. But if you're doing an undergraduate course, no, certainly not. Yeah. You'll write your essays, you'll submit them, you might do some joint presentations, you know, with your mates in your class and your and workshops, but you won't be doing, you know, a significant amount of active research and you won't be mm. presenting it. And I think that has changed a lot, quite rightly, over the years, and that is important in, in lots and lots of different ways, but not least is it is important because it helps prepare you yeah. for when you're doing that more substantially when you get to postgraduate taught and then even more substantially when you get to to PhD. So that, you know, it, it isn't it isn't all of a sudden somebody says, Well, you know, you've got this topic you're interested in writing about to do your proposal and by the way, in three years yeah. time you need eighty thousand words. You used to writing two thousand, you know, you've you've actually had that that discipline that you've worked on over the period of time, as well as the whole sort of research aspect of it and how you interrogate it yourself. So I think, therefore, the, the, in general, you know, across the UK, the students are a little bit, seem the more open to, to be doing that and to be sharing it. But as I say, also, I do think that aspect of the partnerships that we develop at, at universities, you know, with... Uh, with other universities in, in other countries and therefore other students in other countries as well as other academic staff gives an opportunity to bring those students together. I mean, one of the uh, our pro-vice-chancellor here who's responsible for uh, student education, Deborah Youngs, uh, is, is doing a similar sort of project with uh, one of our partners in Australia. So we've got strategic partnership with the University of Canberra and we work with them in lots and lots of different ways, and we do a lot of research with them, etc. Um, but one thing also that we're, we're looking at doing and, and do do with them uh, is uh, bring the student communities mm. together in different ways. And again, I think that helps because it's uh, like you were still still saying it's if you do it just internally to your institution, it's a safe place to do it as well. If you're doing something with a partner institution, it's a little bit further, you know, it's a little bit different. If there are other people in the room, 
but it's still a really safe space. And, mm. and the more that you can do that, I think that more encourages you to, to, to do something, to take then that next step as, as you go further on into the, into the broader sort of conference circuit and environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's, it stands to reason, doesn't it, that a more developed research culture like the UK, you know, um, I mean, that, and that's a very healthy perspective. Um, I always find it strange, you know, when you'd, you talk to, say, engineers um, back in my, my previous life and, you you know, they, oh, well, we, the students don't need to present and they don't need to do this and they don't need to do that. And you think, OK, I mean, there's obviously parts of your discipline I, I fundamentally don't understand. And, and, and OK, but you think, well, in the world, you're going to have to talk to somebody, right? You're going to have to present, even if it's to funders or to bidders or to, to clients or, you know, and, yeah. you know, um, and uh, and I mean, obviously, we we know, right, the the events of the last whatever it's been five or so years, you know, clear information, researched information, you know, scientifically supported information. You know, this is, you know, the ability to interrogate something, to be able to demonstrate, you know, the workings to, you know, to provide a reasonable, rational yeah. argument, you know, um, very important skill set. Um, uh, and yeah, the more the more that we can you know, we can do this. And obviously the more we can do this sustainably, the more we can do this at cost, right? I mean, obviously that's, that's a, you know, an internal conference is a, is a relatively easy thing. It's not because I've done them like you and they are horrible from logistics perspective to, yeah. to organize, but it's, yeah. it's compared to the alternative, it's can be relatively straightforward. Um, mm. You know, and, and then particularly if, as it's you said, it's also a bit more nerve wracking though, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. something also that I would say, certainly, you know, is, um, when I was a uh, head of department and I'd say that to new members of staff would come in and they go, oh, I'm, I'm a bit concerned about going somewhere. And, and I always used to say, I used to love doing that because as I say, with that first one, I might never have to see these people again. So if this really doesn't go very well, that's fine. That's just one place I don't have to go, yeah. you know. All you need to do is to learn from it and, and move on. So by far the most um, daunting thing that I and I think certainly the most daunting thing I ever, I ever did in the first few years of, of my career was presenting at a conference in Edinburgh, as it happened, um, an applied linguistics one, which basically was full of people I knew yeah. that either I was working with or was working in institutions. And initially, I thought, great, get to go to Edinburgh. I love Edinburgh, yeah, yeah. and you know, it's uh, it's a really interesting conference. And it was one of those ones I was mentioning. You know, that there were just two parallel sessions, so. So you, you wanted your session to be popular as well because there's that whole sort of gate, isn't there? How yeah, many yeah. did you get in your session yeah. and did, you know, did they come to yours, did they go to yours? Um, and it was only when I actually stood up in front of people and literally on the front row there was my supervisor for my PhD and both of the people who had been the uh, the, the um examiners for it the internal examiner and the external examiner and i'm looking out there and just at that very second i thought i don't know if i can speak in front of mm-hmm. these these are either people i work with or i know you know they're on our doorstep so that actually was quite that was that was probably more terrifying than standing up in front of a load of people i didn't i didn't know mm. so uh, yeah the joys of the joys of doing it so go yeah, i suppose back to your very very first question and, and probably back at you as well as we start to wrap up, you know. Um, we, I've got a couple of conferences coming up this this year, a couple of sessions that I'm doing. Um, we, we're going to be uh, talking 
uh, in the next few weeks, couple of weeks, aren't we, to to Lena Shi, the British Council in in China, and and I'm off to China in a couple of weeks' time. And as as part of that, we've got uh, for uh, for, a, for a, with a delegation, some delegation coming from the Universities UK, the British Council, and UK uh, R and I, uh, and uh, we've got round table there. Uh, discussing international higher education and then I'm hosting a, a panel debate in in Shanghai and then a little bit later on in the year I'm chairing the Universities UK's TNE conference in in London and um, and these are situations and at the same time there's another conference in London that I have to be asked to just join one of the panels on, and I thought, well, I'm going to be in London. Great, I'll, I can do that as well. That'll be great because I can learn from that and and discuss with colleagues as well. I still get that real excitement mm. about going to to conferences. I like sharing the kind of things that we've written about. So one of the things certainly I'm going to be sharing and, and talking about is is you know identity and in international higher education on the with our new book that's just out. Mm. Uh, buy it now at all good bookshops. Um, but I still get that real excitement for going and knowing that I'm going to learn new things. That I'm that I'm talking to people who are interested in the kind of things that I'm interested in, or actually interested in maybe the the general subject, but a completely different area that might make me think, "Goodness me, I've never thought of that before." That's the bit that I that I find exciting and and interesting, and and I think if you're in the kind of work that we're in, if you ever get to the stage where you don't find that interesting, exciting, yeah, and um, and stimulating, then you need to go and do something else because it's a privilege to be able to do it, but also it's just wonderful to be able to have that bit of excitement, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um... Balanced with all the other stuff we talked about, but yeah, given the opportunity, they are, um, yeah, they are they are fascinating. They are um, great opportunities to learn. I mean, almost like the unknown unknowns, right? You know, you you'll go thinking, oh, I really want to listen to that person and see what you know they're up to. Um, and in some cases, you might just be like to hear that person speak, or you know, you're interested in what she's got to say because it's you know aligned. But also take the opportunity to just go to random stuff and just be open to to what you might you might yeah. learn. Um, it's um, yeah, it's a it's a great opportunity, and as you say, it is a privilege. Um, I mean, it is very much a privilege that not everybody gets the chance to do. But whether you're doing your local one, you know, in your own university, you still get to learn, and you still get to build confidence, and you still get to you know put the flag up, and you still get to network, and that's just sort of amplified the the further you can or do travel. So, yeah, if people do get the opportunity, it's I think it's it's part of what we are and part of what we do, right? It's it's you know. Um, yeah. it's a good it's a good thing to to, to have a go at um, well I mean safe travels to China um, and uh, um, I haven't been to China for, for quite a few years now um, obviously when I was in Malaysia it was much easier to, to, to travel to um, but uh, yeah no enjoy and um, and uh, yeah the panels and conferences sound, sound fascinating so um, wonderful okay so it's good to chat about it when when i get back and maybe with uh with one of the other delegates on the absolutely yeah yeah <laughs> that's the, the yeah. real purpose of conferences right we either get a book out of it or a podcast the real guest purpose <laughs> is to say 
Please come on our podcast. Please come on our podcast. I know you. There is no escape. You might as well just say yes now. Yeah, and just yeah, path of least resistance. Wonderful. Okay. All right then. Cool. So until next time.